0: Hello, you lovely lot. Welcome back to Find Your Fizz, the show where we have a chat with some incredible people to help you find more moments of fizz in your life. I'm Fizz Yasin, a specialist yoga teacher, qualified nutritionist, heart warrior, mental health advocate, and an all-round happiness viber. This weekend, it was World Mental Health Day, and the theme for this year was Mental Health for All, and truly it is. We all have a mental health that we have to find ways to support. And I hope this podcast helps you find ways to do that by discovering happiness, being an inside job. And you know, every feeling, every emotion that we go through is all temporary. But also please know that it's okay to ask for support. Mental health is not a taboo subject anymore. It really is so important nowadays to really check in with your mental well-being and how you can find ways to live a happier, more balanced life. Thank you so much for all the wonderful feedback I'm receiving. My heart feels so happy that you are all enjoying Find Your Fits. Today, I'm so excited to invite a dear friend and also my ex-business mentor Mel Bernardo onto the show. Mel speaks so openly about his life growing up, being an ex investment banker, to now having a more mellow and balanced life heading into his mid thirties. This was such a fab conversation to record and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. If you really do, please do make sure you give it a five star review on iTunes, subscribe, follow and share so more wonderful souls can find this podcast. So without further ado, Let's head into this week's show. So this week, I'm so excited to have Mel B in the house. That's right guys, I've got Scary Spice. I'm only kidding, (laughs) it is Mel Bernardo. Mel is an ex-investment banker, business wise, and currently a teacher of meditation, yoga, and dance fitness. Having started in a very stress-inducing environment from a young age, he has dedicated years to improving his mental, physical, and emotional health. He's worked with individuals to help them build an effective brand, put into place efficient processes, a very cheeky human being, and is often spotted with a smile on his face, and basically a lover of life, especially food. So without further ado, let's invite Mel onto the show. Hey Melby!
1: <laughs> hey Fizz, what an introduction! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how have you been? Good, good,
1: you know, living the lockdown life, trying to figure out whether it's appropriate to go out yet or not.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it's just been such a weird time, right? Just trying to figure life out right now is probably the hardest time to figure out life.
1: Yeah, but it's really interesting. I think when you talk to people, their reaction of lockdown, like it, it's like, I mean, for some people, I know like they find it, it's been the hardest year of their life, probably. Where it's actually, I think for me, it's been like the most grounding. It's been mm. like, stay home, do your thing. I'm fitter than I've ever been. Cause I've been doing more yeah. classes with teachers that I couldn't get to before. Um, I'm like working, which I wasn't doing like six months ago. Income-wise, I mean, it could still always be better, right, Fizz? Mm -hmm. But, but, like, I just think it's so interesting how just having some time at home has been, like, actually, let's use this as an opportunity to do things that I haven't slowed down enough to do before. I just think I'm happier than I've been in a long time, I think.
0: (laughs) And that is the magic of this podcast, because we really (laughs) do look at the happiness sort of psychology aspect of life right now and you know you were saying how you felt the most grounded and you know most content for like a very long time and i feel exactly the same because i know when we had a conversation like you saw saw me running around like dashing from like yoga class to yoga class all across london but not actually living in london and being at home like it does take a lot of energy and i guess like you've been able to conserve that energy by now focusing on yourself a little bit more, would you say?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, it's been very confronting. Like, And I think that's probably mm. why people find it so strong. It's like, you know, you've got to stay home with very few people around you. I mean, if at the very beginning of lockdown, if you didn't live with anyone, you were pretty much living alone. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's confronting. The only things you've got to do are the stuff around the house and be with yourself. And how many people are comfortable just being in their own company?
0: And making... Thousands of sourdough bread, as you were.
1: I was making. I mean, to be fair, I still am making a sourdough life every other week. Love it, bread. It's the best (laughs) bread. And you know what? Again, the perfect example. I have never been a patient baker. Like I love cooking. I love eating for sure, especially when someone else is cooking. But when it comes to bread or like baking, I always just found it so scientific. I was terrible. I was yeah. like, <laughs> and then having a few months to kind of go, okay, let's actually pay attention. It's been awesome. I mean, I've made brioche. I've made pita breads. I've made sourdough. I mean, I did put on a little bit of weight when all the baking started, <laughs> but yeah now it's even back out to an even keel
0: (laughs) oh well let's really check in and head back into your journey of where this all began like obviously we now can see that you went through going from a corporate life to now obviously trying to live a healthier sort of life a healthier balance and That's something that you've truly helped me. So me and Mel first met as yoga teachers. We were part of a group in London called Sunday School Yoga, set up by one of my teachers to bring the community of yoga teachers together. Through that, I then discovered a massive love for Mel obviously being Scary Spice (laughs) and then yeah and then you obviously started a business mentorship scheme which I was so grateful to be involved in where you helped me check in with my own life and diving into my qualities and I think that's truly helped me with bringing the podcast to life uh, which I don't think was even in our business plan but you know we made it happen (laughs) so let's head straight back into your journey how was life growing up for you Mel?
1: Well, interestingly, I grew up in Hackney in um, North London back in the days before it was gentrified and cool. So when I was growing up, like it was much more common to be monks on the street. It was, I mean, I I tell people this and they're like, what? Like I remember days off because um, there was someone being held at gunpoint on the estate. And I was like more excited that we had a day off than (laughs) it is so horrible to think that you become a little bit neutralized by You know, there were people who jumped off our roof a few times while we were growing up because we lived on a big estate. Um, We had a couple of people hang themselves, like, you know, looking back, I say it so like off the cuff, but Mm. yeah, as an adult, you realize quite like, that's not normal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was my childhood. Um, We lived in a two bedroom flat between five of us. So um, my parents actually still live in the same flat. They moved in the year I was born. So that's a long time ago um yeah so I shared a room with my brother and sister um, which is quite tough like
2: mm. we
1: were you know an Italian family English Italian family with quite hot tempers and five people living on top of each other in super small environment was intense um I was the bookworm at school I threw myself into my books and my studies never had many friends but I think it's just because I always wanted kind of to think about a way out almost of my living environment. Um, I never enjoyed living in Hackney cause I felt I was constantly on edge or constantly like paying attention to fear, I guess of like what might happen. And, um, so yeah, so my, my aim was always to try to get into some income quite quickly. Um, I did really well at school studies and ended up basically being offered an apprenticeship in the investment banking world at the age of, um, how old was I? 18 um wow. 18 going on to 19 so just after a levels instead mm-hmm. of going to uni uh, i chose not to go to university because my parents couldn't afford it and we were grown up or we were raised very much like debt was not something you wanted um, which is a very like it's very much my dad's mindset like you if you don't have the money you can't do something rather than borrow the money do something and then have to pay it back so um i didn't ever want to get into debt with uni and my parents couldn't afford it so i started working I was 19 working for a german investment bank just like the first three months of each um period was like moving between different roles just seeing what was in the organization uh and then after two years that became permanent and kind of that kind of jump started so my 20s were spent um or my early 20s were spent drinking lots just like most (laughs) 20 year olds but instead of at university mine was around the liverpool street area liverpool Street (laughs) station uh doing lots of drinks and parties and nights out while daytime i was working in various different roles in the city uh yeah and i i very quickly started to put aside money and then by the time i was 24 i bought my house where i currently live um, which is in northeast london
2: mm. so
1: yeah it was very young to be
2: yeah having
1: a mortgage <laughs> uh, but i i knew that i didn't ever want to stay in the city forever that was my biggest Motivation. And although the partying was great, I wasn't very happy with what I was doing. I found that I would drink the night away to forget all the stress of the daytime um, and still kind of like living with my parents was really hard when you were in your 20s and obviously still sharing a room with my brothers 24. Yeah. yeah still I very it's... much
0: living with my parents at 26. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's
1: a really hard, you know. It's, it's hard for anyone in their 20s trying to gain independence living with their mm. parents. Um, when you're free during the day almost because you're working and you've got your own income, you're partying at night and then you come home to that same environment. It's even harder because like, you know, I'd come home at the age of like 23, 22, 23 at like two in the morning, not necessarily drunk, but having to tiptoe around my brother and sister's beds to get into bed and not wake the household up and then get shouted at the the day after because I was home late and like it's Mm. all of that stuff. Um, So yeah, so I moved out at 24 and since then kind of like tried to figure out my best way to get to a place where I could earn what I needed to earn which is mostly to pay the mortgage but that's pretty much my target um, and then still get a little bit of happiness. Uh, Mm. So I discovered a love for traveling. At the age of 23 I went backpacking around Asia for five or six months. By myself and yeah so my life the last i would say probably the last eight or nine years so about nine years ago my niece was born uh, my first niece and only niece at the moment um i came out as gay which in an environment like the investment banking industry is quite a tough one to be in um and that kind of spearheaded like right okay now i'm figuring out who i actually am and what that means how can i how can i live a bit more of a balanced life so yeah mm. the last few years kind of delved into lots of different other areas.
0: Wow going back to being a child yeah. and you said you didn't necessarily feel <clears throat> happy or you know you didn't have many friends do you think that really impacted like having any positive emotions or were you quite a happy bubbly child?
1: No I, I definitely wasn't a happy bubbly child I was the kid um, who barely spoke um, I mean I can remember we've got a huge Italian family so my dad is got seven brothers and sisters, so and my mum is one of seven on her side. <clears throat> so both mm-hmm. sides of my parents' families are huge. And I was always the shy kid in the corner. Uh, I never really spoke Italian, so I never really engaged with my cousins at school. I was like, I mean, I've, I've reconnected with a few school friends, and they were like, Mel, the person you are right now is who you were at school, but only when you got to know Mel. Like mm. Mel was like really super quiet and shy. But then if you after a few times of like spending time with you you had those like witty replies and the cheekiness but it definitely took a lot to come out of
2: mm. um, so no i
1: definitely i was not the happy bubbly kid i was very much the yeah the shy one threw myself into my books i love comics i love disney i used to draw <laughs> i used to read used to spend lots of time by myself down at the local library
0: and i think that's made you who you are and how Like, you know, you've said it is like people getting to know you before they really see the spark of who you really are. And I know, like, whenever people first meet me, they're like, oh, she looks really shy and quiet. And then you get to know me, you're like, she's definitely not that. She is far (laughs) beyond that. And I think I now, obviously, own myself a lot more. And I guess, like, that's the beautiful thing about finding that self-confidence and finding what, what it is that you really, truly want in life. And, you know, how, obviously, you say, you, you came out as gay that must have been such a big moment for you
1: yeah I mean coming from a Roman Catholic Italian family mm. um I mean to be fair even you know it was like nearly 10 years ago now like I still have that conflict sometimes with relatives um you know where we have to discuss it a little bit um intensely let's call it as the Italians would uh, would say um but yeah I mean 100% like you know having known that this was something going on in my own life, like I know that it was a lot of the cause of why I was drinking so much and um, trying to party so much because it was like not wanting to face up to it. Um, yeah, so that was it was a big step. And you know, I like I never even it wasn't even just telling people I was gay, I actually didn't explore being gay until I told everyone because I was so fearful of people finding out. So I never dated a man until I'd come out to everyone. I never even kissed a man until the point that I came out to everyone, which, you know, that mid twenties, I, you know, I'd had relationships with women, but mostly just steered clear of the men thing because I was so concerned about, you know, what the response would be. Um, and even today, you know, investment banking has changed a lot, but, you know, we're only talking about 10 years ago where it was so fearful to come out as a gay man in a notoriously male dominated environment.
0: As you're saying, in this male-dominant area of London, it can feel quite tough to just be yourself.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, it definitely is, because everyone I found in that industry came to it with a persona. I mean, the amount of people that, for example, were married, but happily married, but then were doing things that their partner would definitely not approve of.
2: Mm-hmm. or,
1: you know, the the fact that most people would go out and tell their partners that they were at work late. Like, it was very much, it felt like two different worlds. Like, when people came to work in the city, we were one person, and when we went home, we were the person that we were actually, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to be a bit more honest with ourselves. But, yeah, they were very, and, I, you know, I mean, there's so many stories about the city, like most marriages or most married people cheat on each other and I have to say, from my personal experience, I, I agree. Like, there were so many people that, whether I knew them closely or not, that were just exploring ways that I was like, I don't, I don't necessarily think your wife or husband would approve of that. But it was the world that we lived in. And I think, actually, it's an industry, back then at least, I haven't been in it fully for a while, there were definitely a lot of people unhappy. And they were using, you know, all of that to kind of, hide their unhappiness.
0: And going from that sort of 24 year old, getting a mortgage, you know, having your own place, when was it when you started to make a switch and you didn't really want that corporate sort of life anymore?
1: I knew that I didn't want it back uh the year before I was buying a house actually, when I was twenty-three, I had started to feel a little bit restless. Um so it's been about four years I've been in the industry now and seen quite a lot of what it was and you know i was still heavily in it but then i went traveling and to be fair before i went traveling on my own i hadn't done much travel um, i had been to italy to see my family a lot um, i'd been to france and like a handful of places and then all of a sudden i was so unhappy at work i was like right i'm leaving this job i'm going to a new one And um, in between looking for a job, I was like, actually, I want to see the Great Wall of China. Like that was my motivation. And I'd like never (laughs) been to Asia. I'd never been on my own. And I like and it was pure luck that I went to um, the bookshop to buy a China kind of uh, rough guide or lonely planet. And um, it was there wasn't one in stock. So they only had Southeast Asia. And then when I started looking through Southeast Asia, I was like, oh, Thailand's really nice. Oh, Bhutan. Oh, oh, you know, Cambodia. And that literally was, I turned to my mum and I was like, actually, I think I'm going to take five months. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Give you our language. But she was like, what? What, what, do, you, what do you mean? Um, and that's kind of what happened. I went away for five months on my own. Um, I joined like different tour groups. I didn't feel so lonely, but it was the most petrifying experience of my life you know, traveling to the other side. I think I arrived in Hong Kong on my own on like 35 degree temperature, carrying about 30 kg luggage on my back because you have no idea what you no. need. <laughs> yeah. You take everything.
0: You're just like, this is my life for five months. Yeah. And and also like
1: so inexperienced, like I booked a hotel that was on a road and the road, obviously, like the train station from the airport took you to the road. And I was like, well, how long can the road be? The road turned out to be a 45 minute walk with 30 kg ah. of luggage because it's like the longest road across Hong Kong. It's like, wow. you know, it's like uh, just. I mean, it was just a pure amateur. Like I was sweating. I was grumpy. I was like slightly like jet lagged. I had been on a plane for like 14 hours, which is the longest i would ever been on a plane. I hadn't slept. And I literally, I think I got to my room and it was this hotel room. And, you know, I mean, Hong Kong hotel rooms notoriously are not big so I walked into this room thinking it's fine I've got a hotel room and it was literally you walked in there was a double bed pushed against the wall with about a meter like to walk alongside it and like this shoebox bathroom and I cried. I threw myself on the bed and I just slept for like I think it was close to like 24 hours I was like I just don't want to get up I got room service I know I got room service and I remember the food was horrible. And I was like, why am I doing this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think any any 20 something year old that has kind of like just taken themselves across the world would feel like that at certain points. But do you think that trip shaped and changed you and grew you as a person?
1: hundred percent. So once the first kind of bit started to settle, especially emotionally, like knowing how much I miss London, I was in a place where I spoke none of the language, but like, you know, my experience had been to a few countries, like even in Italy, I don't speak Ita- I didn't speak Italian that well back then. But I knew the words, like I knew the letters, like I was in a country where the- I couldn't even read the letters, because it's in a completely different alphabet. And I was like, holy crap, what do I do? Um, so yeah, 100%, once that all settled, um, it, it to me, it's, it's been the biggest change, like the biggest growth in my entire life, like, it gave me the bug for travel. I, I mean, my personality came out more because you realize that, you know, you haven't got time to get to know people if you're shy because you might see this person today and never see them again, but they're actually really fun. So you throw yourself into conversations, you throw yourself into experiences. I did so much in five months that I like, I mean, I, I don't think even having five months off work with an income now, I'd be able to do the same amount of things. I've been to so many places. I mean, I think there was like 13 countries I visited um i've made some of the best friends that i still have today so yeah i mean that was that was the biggest change and i think i think that you notice it when you come back and if anyone that's traveled like you come back as this brand new open-minded fresh person and nothing's changed (laughs) you come back and like i came back to london and the tube was just as bad and it was grout like grumpy and gray and people were so grouchy and i literally i got off the tube and i was like why did i come home
0: <laughs> yeah i think anyone would think that when they come back from traveling five months and you know you're back to like the groggy certain places of london are beautiful but you know just just transport and everything that you were so far away from and i think i've definitely felt that over the last now oh gosh it's been nearly seven months since i've been on the tube that is insane for someone that was on the tube every single day like yourself to now feel a bit like oh like i don't want to go back to that
1: completely agree with you and i haven't got a tube since the beginning of march so yeah we're talking seven months and actually i set myself the challenge that i want to not get a tube or bus until 2021 so i'm giving myself another th- and i'm like three months like i've just done seven like what what do i really you know same as you like was always going into shoreditch for classes or to see people and now i'm like in all reality, like what COVID and the pandemic and lockdown has done is like, do I actually want to do those things? Because so many times I'm doing them because I've fallen into a habit. And now I'm like, most of the people, for example, that I would have caught up with, I've seen that I've just driven to somewhere that it's like outside or a park or, you know, you just have to organize it a bit more. And you spend more time together because of it. Um, I haven't been in for any classes of any kind. I've still been able to swim, like, and now I'm like, what did that actually give me? <laughs> like, apart yeah. from the stress of central
0: life. I know, I know. There's, oh, the central line, one of the killers. <laughs> um, and I think, like, you know, obviously, let's let's go back to So you went traveling, you came back. Did life change for you very quickly? Or did you take some time going back into the corporate world and then sort of start to shift into... You know developing your yoga practice and then becoming a yoga teacher and meditation teacher like how did that come about?
1: So, um, when I was traveling I had dabbled with them So obviously some of the stuff that I had been learning Um while I was traveling included doing yoga in india on the tops of mountains and I did kung fu in china You know, so you kind of like dabble with all these activities and I knew that I really enjoyed them But I came back straight to the corporate world again So I joined the same team I'd left six months before um but as a project individual so it was very much more kind of like before i had been a permanent employee now i was a contractor and it just felt so weird because i was back in the same team with the same people six months later having spent six months like the best six months of my life living at home again and i was just like gosh no i was like no (laughs) um so you know it was within a year of coming back from traveling that i bought my house because I was like, no, you know, I'd been six months of not living with my parents while I was traveling and having that freedom. And I was like, no, that needs to happen now. So while I was back in the city, I had the mortgage potential. Um, My drinking definitely started to reduce massively when I came back because I'd been away. And you just naturally, when you're away, you're not drinking as much because a lot of the time, like if you're on trips, you're up at seven to go like hiking or trekking or what, and you just, you don't want to feel, I mean, there was definitely some times where I did it and I was like, oh my gosh, because <laughs> like one thing going to work and sitting on a call, not talking, but like walking up the side of a volcano, sweating because you've drunk too much the night before is not pleasant. Um, so yeah, so within about a year, I kind of started changing my lifestyle, looking to move out. And then it was within, I think, about two years just remembering, because when I was traveling, it was actually the crash, the banking crash, 2008. So it was 2010 when I bought my house. And that was the same end of that year that I came out. So like, it changed very quickly. Um, And 2011 is when my niece was born. So three years, basically, from coming back, everything had changed again. And my niece was born in September, 2011. And September, 2011, uh, the beginning of the month was when I left the city again. So I left the city and I was like, I need some time to myself. I've got my house. And then I went to some charity work for a while, kind of dabbled in the PR world a little bit. But I just wasn't happy. And I think when there was lots of gaps between jobs and I started joining my local gym and started going more regularly to yoga, um, went back to the city briefly to JP Morgan. I think I did like nine months. And I was going to yoga like every day because we had a gym in the building and I was just hating my, my job and trying to convince myself that actually like it's fine if you just balance it with yoga and meditation. It's fine.
0: All oh, um, good. Yoga saves you every day.
1: <laughs> it does for a little while, but it's very much like slapping a, a Band-Aid, as they say in mm. America, or a plaster on a, or on a cut that's just not healing. Yeah. So I, again, weirdly, I was there nine months. I was meant to be going for promotion getting like a really great salary, like ridiculous money. Um, and I went traveling, I, would, I turned 30 that year and I went traveling by myself again, three weeks. So my travel bug had continued and I was like traveling three or four trips a year, really beautiful trips. And I went to Machu Picchu this time for my 30th by myself, uh, Florida, Orlando. And I came back and <laughs> I got offered the promotion and I said, I, re- I turned down the promotion. And the day after I resigned. <laughs> so I think I'd been back all of five days.
0: <laughs> wow. What a
1: life changing uh, moment. I was just like, I was away. And the same thing that happened when I was traveling, I was like, no, like this is not what I want. Okay. Um, and then I basically had no job and then threw myself into yoga, made some great local friends, Babs and Tess, who um, are really great friends of mine um, locally. And yeah, it just kind of escalated from there, loved the yoga, started doing more meditation. Uh, meditation I actually have been doing since I was about 16. So I lost an uncle when I was 16. And my only friend when I was in sixth form, or one of my closest friends, is actually still a friend. But she was my French teacher for A-level French. And she gave me the Tibetan book of living and dying. Um, wow. So as a 16-year-old, I read quite heavy text on like, the death concept and like, yeah. how Tibetans see that. Uh, so I had started meditating since the age of 16 regularly. So it's been yeah a good, almost nearly 20 years of regular meditation. And then yoga came into my world afterwards, a little bit in India, a little bit at the city. And then, yeah, from the point that I left, so I would say eight years or so, probably it's become a regular thing. It was like one class a week, twice class a week. Yeah. And then I started teaching Zumba or dance fitness as we're mm-hmm. referring to it now. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought one of my plans has always been to be a father. Yeah. I thought that Zumba could help become some sort of income while I was like, as potentially working as a single father and paternity leave and all that. Um, but it's quite a strain on the body. Like you don't want to be doing too much because it's so high impact. So then I, I was like, my love for yoga was saying, I was like, oh, maybe I'll balance this out with um, yoga and learning to become a teacher. And quite honestly, Fizz, like, I find that when I make decisions like that, things just spiral. So yeah. I literally said, I mean, I'm sure you know, but like it's, it's like someone just flicks a switch and everything comes your way. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I basically was like, I'm going to explore becoming a yoga teacher. And then I met my friend Tess, who was studying through a yoga teacher locally in the local studio. And she was like, recommended them for the following year. And then I found a job back in the city, but part time, three days a week which I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like I now have the time and the money to do this. And it's like a 10 minute walk up the road. And it's only like one weekend a month. So it doesn't affect anything. And I can pay monthly. I was like, so like all the stars aligned, let's say. Um, And my intention initially was just to learn so that I could deepen my own practice. And then Babs and Tess, my two really good friends, threw me in the deep end. So as soon as I qualified, (laughs) they both had planned on going on holiday, which I knew. But I hadn't realized they put me down as their cover. So i wow. covering for like three weeks solid for so two of them. And I was like,
0: what? Like that's how we live life as, you know, teachers to begin with. You become a cover teacher.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. So they threw me in without any experience. And I was like,
0: oh my God.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to be honest, if I hadn't have done that, it would have just lingered. And then, you yeah. know, like everything, if you don't practice it, you, you end up forgetting or getting nervous about it.
0: How old are you now, Mel? If you don't mind me Mid thirties. Last week Mid-30s. I turned
1: thirty-five.
0: <laughs> I sent you some great you chai, did. didn't I? If I anyone don't know if knows my obsession. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, no, it's not though.
0: All the antioxidants in chai are just so <laughs> crucial. Definitely sure. have helped me through lockdown. I I remember like you kept messaging, being me, like. have you just like spent all your money on chai through lockdown I'm like yeah 100%
1: (laughs) it was just hilarious because every day there was like a new reel or insta story or whatever the trendy name for it is now of you making chai and I was like this is the same as yesterday it was like yes but it's a new cup
0: (laughs) it's a new cup and it's a new blend
1: (laughs) yeah Um, and it was just I mean I'm sure you must have tasted every single blend of chai that exists I feel like I have
0: Yeah, like, literally, I Google searched and, like, just found so many different chai blends. I'm like, I'm just going to taste them all. I'll become that chai taster. (laughs) That will make me really happy through this time.
1: (laughs) I love chai. When I was in India, it was, like, the best side, like, on the side of the street. You're just walking, and it's
0: so cheap. And they just make the best. Yeah, chai whalas. There are... gosh well, so I've
1: got loads of friends who are like yeah. from an Indian heritage and when we've been away on holiday they'll make those like in a kettle I mean to be fair they probably oh, yes. brew someone's kettle but they'll make like a big old batch and I'm like oh this is what it's all about
0: <laughs> in a kettle I haven't tried it I only ever do it in a saucepan but yeah you yeah. Know, yeah oh insane so you know obviously now being in your mid-30s what what big lessons do you think you learned from your 20s to your 30s that you'd maybe wish you had told yourself i think the biggest
1: lesson i can teach or i could have told myself is the same one like with the the, the focus of our business mentoring it's like be true to yourself you know the mm-hmm. whole point when we when we ran our business mentoring while the side effect was hopefully that you had a better income and more stability and stuff and doing things you love actually the main focus was being true to yourself really owning yourself your product um, and who you are, because then the income is much easier to come about. It's just passion. And I think back then, the male of 20s, you know, between the age of 20 to, I would say, all the way up to like 27, 28, was still trying to figure out who he was, but also being confident with who he was. He knew he was gay from a long, you know, from an early age, but he wasn't happy sharing that. And I think just having that boldness sometimes to be like, this is who I am. And this, you know, I'm proud of who I am, will change so much because now I'm unapologetically who I am. Like, sometimes I'll say no. To, I mean, COVID is a perfect example. During the lockdown, people ask for, you know, do you want to come for a birthday picnic? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, is it something I feel comfortable with? And I'm like, no, actually, I don't feel comfortable meeting up because you guys are not socially distancing, which is your choice. But like, for me, that's not a situation I'm comfortable with. So no. And I'm happy to say no, because you guys are so, you're not socially distancing, so I don't feel comfortable, you know, and I think that's quite, you know, that, that brutal honesty sometimes, as long as it's delivered in a very honest and transparent way, I think it's such a powerful weapon. And it's quite underestimated, to be fair, because I think, mm. you know, when, when, as you know, as teachers, there are thousands of teachers across the world, hundreds being churned out every month, year across the globe. Yep. What makes us unique is us.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, it's
1: not about how you teach because people have done your teacher training. It's not about the music you use because other people have that in your playlist. It's not about the poses or the transitions. It's about how you put all that together and let your personality shine through. That's, you know, regardless whether you're doing teaching as a yoga teacher or you're an investment banker or you're a video editor, like the bit that makes this world tick is our uniqueness. Otherwise we'd just be a boring, dull, bland, gray world
0: yeah no rainbows or unicorns no rainbows
1: yeah (laughs) no rainbows no unicorns and no like darkness in the nicest sense i know it's probably a bit harsh but like light can't exist without dark you know there's no there's no shadow doesn't exist if the light's not turned on like everything has to exist it just needs to be in moderation
0: and i think that's that's exactly it the existence is so pure and you know i always say to myself don't just live a life to just exist like live a life to make a difference and really just to live like we we forget to just live and I think you know going back to your backpacking 23 year old self like you were living and I think Mm -hmm. so many people don't do that because they're just so fearful of what life is going to look like or what others I think this relates back to doing a job that you'd love to do like you're just too scared of what people are going to say and I've definitely felt that. And I've definitely felt that. And I know we were talking about this just before we um, started recording this podcast, how you can be so fearful of what others' opinions are. And I think, you know, even like me doing this podcast, I know not everyone's going to really like it or not everyone's going to be supportive. But you just do it because you want to and you just got to give it a go. Unapologetic.
1: like, And to me, the biggest mantra I can always ask is, what do I need to thrive? like that word thrive is so much more powerful than survive. You know, Mm. I think there's so many people who rightly or wrongly go through life just wanting to exist, wanting to survive. And that's, you know, that's completely their choice. Like I say, we wouldn't be this world if they didn't exist in the world. But me, every time something comes up, I'm like, do I need to say yes to this to thrive? Is this going to be something that feels so good deep in my bones? Like, and I think it's, you know and i think when we stop attaching negative emotion to a no then we can maybe take it like you know someone not wanting for example to come and meet up with you for whatever reason doesn't necessarily mean that they don't like you it could mm. be so many things and i think we, we so quickly like there are words that we've been you know using through our livelihoods and through work and through society that we associate with this negative feeling of like anger and straight away when I say anger people are like oh my god that's bad Mm. not really it's just actually anger it's just an emotion that we've been our bodies have evolved to feel like what you do with it is a whole different thing like you know if you turn it into a mass murdering serial killer like that's
0: probably not a good idea um going dark there but yeah
1: yeah but if you use that anger to go okay what's triggered me to be angry and maybe there's something there that I need to just a bit more attention to maybe there's a learning there.
0: Yeah, and I totally feel that. And I think with how you're sort of shaping life now and becoming this sort of freelancer in everything you do to create balance to help others find balance in their working life is just so inspiring. And I love watching like the work that you're doing and how you are inspiring that change. So yeah, just thank you for being authentically, unapologetically you, which I, I definitely feel like without you, I wouldn't have been able to just really understand that you've just got to sometimes give it a go and just see where it takes you. And also sometimes
1: take risks, you know, the, yeah. you know, as, as children, often the, the, from our generation, our parents were, were brought up in a world that stability was their focus. You know, you know, if I tell my parents how many times i change changed jobs, they, they have mini heart attacks every time. They're <laughs> like, why, why would you do that? And even my Italian family, you know, they come from a place where work is not easily available to them.
2: Mm. But I've
1: always been of the opinion that, again, if you trust yourself and you trust that when you do work of any kind, you do it to the best of your ability because you're really happy about doing it, then there will always be something that comes up. It might go through tough times before it happens, but it comes up. And I think you just need to be really honest about like, you know, if a job comes to a point where you're really not working very well, you're actually really resentful, you're actually finding yourself in a bad place and you've tried lots of different things to, you know, resolve it. It's time to move on. Like that doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't have to be negative to move on. It just means you've outgrown it. And mm-hmm. it just means that something else is where you need to be. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much fluid. It probably on my CV looks like I change jobs all the time. but. To be honest, it's like, I change jobs when an opportunity arises and it feels right, or an opportunity has just got a bit stagnant and stuck and it feels wrong. And I'm like, okay. And you know, I'll be, I'll be the first person to be like, oh, I'm quitting my job. And my mom's like, what are you doing? Do you have another one? I'm like, no, <laughs> but I'm sure something will come up. You know. Yeah.
0: Just go with the flow, right? That's the best exactly. way to do it. Do you think you've been the happiest you can be at this moment in time?
1: Um, yes, I think the last thing, I know, like, my actual passion, the thing I've always been striving for is parenthood, to be honest. Like, Mm. I have known from a very young age I wanted to be
0: a dad. You'd be Um, amazing, honestly. (laughs) Like, I I think you'd be an incredible dad because you give so much guidance and support in helping others thrive. And I think that is such a positive quality to have when you are trying to raise children.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I've known that I wanted to have children from a young age. I've known that I was wanted it so badly. I was willi- I am willing to do it even on my own, in a world where a single LGBT parent is going to be hard work. Um, but for me as well, it kind of works back when I'm like, okay, so if I have a child, I need to earn enough money to survive. I don't need to necessarily earn, you know, the kind of money I was earning in my twenties, which is ridiculous sums of money when I look back of how much I spent. Um, but equally, like I want time with the child. Like I find. In the world we live in especially living in london there's so much pressure on working and more around work and income and career and stuff than there is about actual work life and home mm. life and to me like i want to have an opportunity where i can spend you know five six hours a day with my child um without suffering a low income or without suffering you know that potential stress of low income so to me it's like everything I've tried to do is not only trying to bring together my city skills, let's say, but my well-being attitude, as well as that flexibility around timing. And I think right now, I mean, this last month has been for me, like I actually feel like I'm in that place now. Like I'm like, I'm working a job that's 24 hours a week. It's always remote because the team are spread across the world. Half of my team are in the U S we've got an individual in Australia. We've got some of the team in London, it's, I'm an operations manager, so it's all my project managing and business analysis and efficiency processes together. So I'm like in my element looking at numbers and metrics, mm. but then I'm, I'm delivering the product that we're delivering is health and well being to people with health conditions or in remote locations that can't get access to certain. And I'm just like, this is like, I, and I've called it, when I, I think when I interviewed, I called it the unicorn I was like, when you don't think the unicorn exists, I found the unicorn, like, yeah. it's got my flexibility, it's got my income, and it's doing the, the good stuff that I want to do.
0: That's amazing. And I think it's such a great thing to just be able to thrive to find your unicorn, because we often forget that it does exist out there somewhere, and you don't have to just keep putting yourself in places just to earn that top sum or just to earn that money. Like, do you think like money gives you happiness?
1: No, hundred percent no. I think you need money to survive in the world that we've created. Sadly, like I think,
2: mm.
1: I think you know it, it's less that you need it, but the society that has been created, especially here in the UK, like money gets you everywhere. Um, but actually, like I love, like it, it sounds crazy, but even in London, like I have so many things that I do now for skill swaps. So Mm. like I learned, I started learning jujitsu about what's been two years, two and a half years with a good friend of mine, Charlie. And actually we do a skill swap. So one week he will teach me jujitsu the week after I teach him yoga. So to me, there's no exchange of money. And it just feels so much more powerful where like, it's almost like my gift to him in return for his gift to me. And,
2: Mm.
1: you know, I, I started piano lessons at the beginning of this year locally from a music shop and I don't pay for them. I've been doing, I've done 20 lessons and I've got a new batch starting soon. And in return, I I manage their website. So to me, I'm like, like that that bartering concept that our ancestors used to have, or, you know, it's just so much more personal. And I'm like, like, why should, perfect example, my time as a project manager in the city be worth over a thousand pounds a day, but my time as a project manager for a yoga studio, be a £100 a day. Like, yeah. the job, you know, the job is the job. It's just mm-hmm. the industry. So to me, I'm like, I would love to just go around offering my time or skills or services in return for the stuff I need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grow tomatoes in my garden and herbs in my garden. And that's, you know, all of that is definitely a lifestyle I would love to introduce my child to.
0: Yeah, I love that. The idea of seeing a child just grow up with such grounding foundations. And I think that's that's so pure in your quality. So what top tips would you give a 20-something-year-old?
1: The first question would be, who are you? And that sounds like a really broad topic, but actually it's way more deep than people let themselves appreciate. Because it's like, who actually are you? Like, mm. beyond all the bluster, beyond the like socialising person, because when you socialise, you're always someone different, beyond the work, like stripping it completely back. And probably this year, 2020, is the one year that most people will have some understanding of that because they've spent that time contemplating. So my first question would be, figure out who you are, Um, like really genuinely. And that doesn't mean that you need to know what you want to do for a career or Mm -hmm. job. It just means, what makes you happy? And to me, when I get a little bit stuck or lost, I write down a list of three things that make me thrive. You know, and it's my niece, is always on that list yeah um, moving so for me that could be swimming yoga dancing whatever it is like just moving makes me thrive and the third one is always food like you know like whether I'm cooking or whether I'm eating like good food which comes back to my Italian heritage partly because you know meal times are such a big family thing yeah um, so to me it would be who are you which could be just what makes you thrive Vice would be be honest with yourself and others about that once you figure out who you are be honest with yourself because opportunities will come from you putting yourself out there and sometimes my third one is take a risk you know as 20 year olds we we say we're willing to take a risk but actually we prefer being a little bit irresponsible rather than taking mm. a risk which are very different things like taking a risk is putting faith in yourself or someone else or you know what you've proposed to move forward with and you know, even when you and I were working together, Fizz, my biggest advice to you constantly was take the risk, Fizz. Like, Mm. put it out there because once you put everything on the line, things respond, things come back, things happen.
0: Yeah, and I think you, you really, really helped me own, like, who I was because I think for so long, you get caught up in this sort of comparison of trying to discover yourself through others' eyes. And that really, I think, is the thief of joy like we always talk about how comparison just takes away so much of who we are because we're constantly trying to thrive to be someone else but it's better to just authentically be you 100% and really really nourish your own values I feel yeah
1: and you know perfect example is like the industry we work in as a yoga meditation teacher like mm -hmm. anyone outside of that industry just sees us as like these really (laughs) zen yeah fantastically planned and super chill that's Total totally rubbish. not like, <laughs> um i yeah i mean most of the time we're not paid very well we are running around like headless chickens from class to class to one not let people down because we don't want to yeah. let anyone down but also so we can make enough of a living to live you know i would say the first two two and a half years i probably fall into it now and again but i was definitely much more about like checking out other yogis on instagram and like oh my god they can do that pose. I can't do that. Maybe people won't come to my class because, or, you know, someone's posting regularly on Instagram and I'm not. Um, but like, I mean, even again, during the pandemic, I completely let go of Instagram posting. I have I think during this whole time, I might have posted since like April, I might have posted like three times. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what feels good for me. Um, and it's not what the world expects of a yoga teacher, but I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's, like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, it's like, you, yeah, if, if you know me, you know how I talk. You know who I am, and you know what's available. And yeah, I think the biggest thing is just being true to yourself and going like This is what I am. This is who I am. And how can I show that? You know, whether that is posting regularly on Instagram, whether that is mm. funny morning dance pose, it posts in you know to crazy dancers in, me. in your kitchen, <laughs> fizz, yeah, in <laughs> your gym jams. In my you know. gym jams. Yeah, but, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, I think this podcast is a perfect example. You know, this is authentically and unexcusably fizz. Like, this is, you know, it doesn't matter if one person listens to this. It doesn't matter if no one listens to this. But you put together a representation of you and the people that you want to talk to. Absolutely. And I think that's powerful.
0: Oh mate, thank you. Honestly, yeah, you've you've literally just said it in one. That is exactly what my aim is with this because I definitely don't don't feel like you know I'm going to become the next Fern Cotton with this. (laughs) But at the same time, I just want people to know that there is support out there and that you know there is so much joy to be found. And simply, even if one person listens to this, I hope they find some sort of joy from it or some sort of yeah support that they really wish someone could have told them when they're going through this time because it's so easy like to look at your friend who is maybe like you know 25 got the best job possible um is just about married having a baby or whatever got a house and judge yourself to that where for me it's just like no just authentically live your life do the projects you want to do and yeah just find out. happen rest will happen the rest will happen Oh, I think this You've is. You've got red- nine
1: years before you even get to me, players.
0: Nine oh, years before you get
1: to my age.
0: I, I, I hope I'm as wise as you when I get to that age. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just let's
1: hope you don't get as many wrinkles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, bless you. So let's move into the lovely, happy, quick fire round questions. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question being, what one thing? has made you happy today?
1: I would say breakfast.
0: <laughs> what did you have Frabble for breakfast?
1: eggs, avocado, cherry tomatoes, a good old coffee, well decaf coffee, because I don't actually drink coffee. Just, yeah, and taking the time to eat it. Like, not just like scoffing it down, like sitting down, having a good like half an hour to destroy it.
0: But you know, that's the beautiful thing about lockdown as well. We've had more time to check in, be mindful with making ourselves food. Actually eating is just so lovely right now. What are the top three tips you'd give someone in a search of happiness? I know we've kind of touched in on advice, but maybe there's something different for happiness. The first thing I
1: would say actually, write down what makes you happy. Like you go through your day and there's something that puts a smile on your face, write it down. because you won't remember when you try to think about it like what is it that gave you that smile is it that gave you that grin you know you can repeat that when they happen second thing is i would say be open-minded that's the biggest Mm. thing with happiness like you know someone i've always been the person that says yes if someone invites you to something i'm like this wouldn't normally be my thing but you know you don't actually know so just give it a go um and then you can decide you know really whether you enjoy it um but if you away shut things down you're just going to end up like potentially cutting off things that we really love and then my third one is actually get outside and i'm I'm lucky enough to have a garden in london so like the regular like going outside watering the plants brushing my fingertips across the leaves sometimes kicking my shoes off and just stepping on the grass it makes such a difference Mm -hmm. so even if that's just like going out to your local park or but like the best experience of being on grass or mud it's just so refreshing and all of us have done that as kids like splashing in puddles and running through the mud it doesn't go away just because we grow up we're just grown up children like we're yes just, just <laughs> in adult bodies and people get so serious so yeah, i those know memories.
0: too serious this is what i don't like you know that first week of lockdown was just I think pure joy where like you couldn't hear any cars, there wasn't any planes, there was like no trains, or you know, bare minimal. And you could just really hear the birds tweeting, you felt nature, you felt the breeze hit your skin. And you know, for the first time, I was so grateful for that feeling. And I live in Berkshire, like it's a very countryside sort of area where I live. And it's just been so nice to just get out in nature. And I really forgot about it because I was so used to just running about, getting on the train and not seeing the world for what it was. Yeah, you just forget. Like you walk
1: past the same places all the time. And you just, a bit like when I was saying about my childhood, like you just get a bit neutralized by things because they happen too frequently. But yeah, like I definitely, I mean, I never used to be one for going out for walks very often. And now I try to go for one every day or every other day, even if it's just 20 minutes, because it just makes such a difference. Even just walking around the block, going to the park, sitting with a book. And yeah, I think those are my biggest tips. Um, yeah. the, the getting outside is so powerful.
0: Absolutely. I, lo- I love those. I love those. Thank you. So if you could do one thing to make someone happy, what would it be? Oh, that's an interesting
1: one. If I could do one thing, I think, I mean it comes back to food I love <laughs> cooking a meal so to me whenever someone's down because of the way I react when there's good food like and I think that the, the joy of someone spent time really cooking you a meal is just so personal um so to me it's always like cooking food so it could be that I've had local friends or who have struggled a bit through lockdown and when I was doing my baking I would bake sourdough bread and i would leave it on their doorstep not go near them knock on the door and just be like hey i baked your bread and you know that really like brought tears to people's eyes but i'd spent that kind of time to just consider them and make them a loaf of bread um so to me i think for me to make someone happy i would always probably come back to food making them the best meal
0: oh yes i i definitely agree with that i think that Food is like joy. Food is like love. It definitely makes me happy. <laughs>
1: when, you, when you get it right, it's so powerful. And yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, wow. So this is leading on to our happy activity. So what is the happy activity that makes you happy in life? And you'd like to share with our listeners to maybe challenge them this week to go and try that and see if it brings them happiness. Dancing. Yeah. Dancing
1: is the biggest thing. So having i mean I, I started zumba having to get across a lot of inhibitions because i was the only young 20 year old in a male in a class of middle-aged women feeling very self-conscious and to me once you let go of that and again like we said about other bits like not worrying about what you look like or what other people think of you it's so liberating mm. um you know we do it if we've ever had drinks and been drunk like it happens naturally but like learning to do that sober just letting go and just dancing and to me like if i'm feeling in a rut you know i might be working and you can't get out or whatever the first thing i'll do is i'll grab my headphones i'll put on a banging playlist or song and just dance like there doesn't have to be moves that make sense i don't have to be wearing certain outfit i can just dance and that release of you know i'm sure all the endorphins and all the right hormones just is powerful so my challenge to everyone is to spend half an hour dancing this week
0: I love that. And if you haven't seen Mel's moves, you've got to che- go check out his <laughs> hips. Because his hips don't lie. I truly mean that.
1: <laughs> it's hilarious. So it's I've had so go funny. To yoga and to dance. And they're like, your hips don't do that in yoga. Yeah. Like, I know when the music takes me.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because I think it's like one of your students always records your session and she's just like looking at you and i'm like is she even dancing or is she just recording you because she just finds your hips so mesmerizing it's it's quite insane
1: (laughs) she's hilarious yeah she does say that i've that my hips move more expressively than she's seen in um in a man for a long time and yeah she's she's like i'm her goal i'm her uh, target for what she wants to move like (laughs) That is insane. And again, it comes back to no inhibitions, just being unapologetic you, whatever that looks like. Like, just shake those hips.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Definitely (laughs) on that dance challenge. So 30 minutes this week, that is going to be the challenge to just dance like crazy.
1: Dance like crazy and share it. Tag you. And share it. Tag me. Let's let's see these dances. We want to see these. So
0: we need that hashtag, find your fears, and tag in Mal and myself, and we'll be sharing your details in a moment. So what does finding your fears mean to you? Oh,
1: Uh, so for me that is all of the things that we've been talking about it's first realizing what does make you happy because that's the biggest question that most people can't answer what makes you happy and then once you know what makes you happy repeating it over and over you know it might not be all the time but like finding a way to figure it out like i know movement makes me happy so when i'm struggling i'll do a movement you know whether that's a swim or zumba or yoga or whatever it is and i think. Finding your fears should be quite frankly the mantra or the life goal for everyone, Mm. because what is the point, you know, we live on this planet for let's say 80 years in this life. Um, if we're lucky and that's not that long a time, you know, Mm. that's not a huge amount of time. So to me, what better way than to spend that time trying to find your fears, trying to just find how to make the most amount of happy memories as you can for yourself.
0: Yeah, I I 100% agree. And I think that's such a beautiful way of taking it to the end of this show. Because, you know, happiness is different for us all. And what you perceive to be successful is simply just truly being authentically you. And I think I've really taken that away from this conversation. So just thank you so much, Mel. It's been such a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you, Fizz. It's been great being here.
0: Before we end, how can people find you?
1: So they can get on my website, Instagram, Facebook. It's all called the same thing. It's just called Shake Up Fit. So the idea was always to shake up an industry. So shakeupfit.com, shakeupfit on Instagram or shakeupfit on Facebook.
0: Amazing. I'm sure we'll be shaking our way through this week with your (laughs) conversation. So thank you again. And I can't wait to see you soon in person one day. Yes
1: one day soon we'll, do, day a, we'll soon. do a walk in the park we can drive somewhere
0: oh that would be so nice with food
1: obviously with food obviously. <laughs> i'll even bring a sourdough loaf
0: yes i would love that <laughs> i would so love that you all bring right the buddy
1: chai, i'll bring the bed
0: oh yes i'll bring the chai of course of course i would bring chai, i'll
1: bring bread <laughs> oh,
0: sounds perfect well thank you mel have a wonderful day and i'll see you soon bye thank you Chrissy. How great was that? Thank you so much once again to Mel for coming onto the show, honestly he is just full of so much love, laughter, smiles, wisdom (laughs) and pure support. I really took the powerful phrase of just being unapologetically you from that conversation and I went and had a little search and found this wonderful quote that stated, Never be sorry for who you are. Your personality should never be shrouded in what society expects of you. Be shamelessly, unapologetically you. You will find the world rallies behind those who carve roads of their own. Wow. That really spoke to me, and I think that basically summed up the conversation that Mel shared. Thank you once again, Mel. And if you do take part in our Find Your face Happiness Challenge this week, by simply dancing for 30 minutes, tag me in at Happy happyheartflow, so I can see that these conversations are really making you think about movement and energy and finding happiness with all our tips. Thanks again, guys, and I'll catch you next week. Remember, if you did enjoy this, Please do rate, review, subscribe, follow, share, all good things. And every five-star review I get makes me closer to getting this podcast out to more people. So thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Peace.